Thanks for tuning in today. It's Kevin with Bison Moon Group, Reach of the Moon Podcast. I'm here today with... Marty Helmasna with Pedestal. How did you come up with your idea? Do you? How old were you when you started motorbike riding? <laughs> well, um, that's a little bit of a loaded question. Well, I've always liked motorcycles, but um, I my parents didn't like the idea of uh, me riding a motorcycle. Um, so I was probably about 14, got a job at a local gas station, worked two weeks, made enough money to buy a YZ80. So I was probably about 14 or 15 years old when I started to, uh, uh, ride motorcycles, um, just for fun at first and, and learned my, uh, best friend, um, was also in the kind of the same, uh, situation, but he had a bike already. So we just started riding together, you know, on local trails around uh, the town that I grew up in of Cochrane um, in Alberta. And um, we just kind of slowly started to excel um, in our levels and capabilities and stuff like that. And I guess to make the long story short, um, what made us excel to a pro level was my best friend's neighbor, um, his name was uh, Tim King, and he had a brother, I believe his name was Rick King, and he was a national cross-country champion um, in the mid-80s. So with the two of them uh, showing us the ropes and taking us out to west of Calgary in the Wipers area and riding all these trails, um, we just fell in love with the sport and just started to excel me and my friend just started pushing each other. Next thing you knew, we were entering races. And, geez, our first race was in 1992. And I raced in Alberta till about 2000. Um, I have four Canadian um, national championships under my belt uh, for Yamaha. And then I just took a break from racing because uh, nothing... You know, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. And then um, I started to uh, get in contact with people like uh, Travis Pastrana, Andy Bell, and the Nitro Circus crew. And through their videos and the internet, because that would have been in about 2005 when things were kind of booming with the internet, um, Red Bull Extreme Enduros. Uh, started to pique my interest and um, the next 10 years of my race career was overseas racing in uh, a lot of these extreme Red Bull um, events. Very cool. Yeah, so that's kind of the whole ball in wax and the last Red Bull event that I uh, completed and got a gold medal in was uh, Red Bull Sea to Sky 2015. Um, I believe it was uh, the first week in October. And um, yeah, um, I hit an age where I got a family and uh, a couple of young daughters. And uh, yeah, racing is now slowly uh, fading in the rearview mirror, so to speak. Um, but as for the pedestal idea, my whole race career, I was a van guy. I was had cargo vans all done up, et cetera, et cetera. But then when family came along, you know, a bench seat behind the driver's seat in a cargo van with no windows didn't really cut the mustard. 
So I had to get into a pickup truck like pretty much everybody else that rides dirt bikes does. And I hated the idea of not being able to haul my holiday trailer behind my truck because I always had to have the tailgate down. So with my mechanical background, I've been a mechanic for about 25 years now, um, that I just kind of built a cast iron pedestal. Um, and I used it for about the last three years. And during the three years, I've had hundreds of people come up to me. Where can I buy one? Where can I buy one? Where can I buy one? And finally, when I had a little extra time, I said, you know what? I wonder if these things would sell, if people would like these. So I, you know, drew it out, planned it out. I have a very close friend that is also a very avid dirt biker. Um, and he's a drafter. So, um, between the two of us, we, uh, um, did a three dimensional drawing and drafting. And, um, what you see now is, you know, the product that's on the market and, um, the pedestal is out there. It's not booming as of yet, but, um, I'm not a businessman, so I'm learning as I go. But, uh, um, basically that's how it all kind of came out. I, designed it and built it for my own personal ref my own personal use and i just saw an interest in in people walking up to me at the track or out in the bush on long weekends <clears throat> they loved it how when i'd roll in the tailgate was up and they saw the rear tires kind of propped up on the tailgate and everyone thought that i was resting on the tailgate and i wasn't so that's kind of how it all started in, in a nutshell that was a good story okay that's like I said, there's a lot of detail in there that I left out, but we could be chatting for three hours. <laughs> well, that's kind of <laughs> part of why I've started this podcast thing is I run a side business. Um, I do stump removal and I'm happy with where I'm at. And I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are happy or there's a reason why they do it. Um, you know, what I mean, I started working on my dad's shop, uh, you know what I mean? Then I moved into an apartment, but I still had all this equipment and it was like, great, where do I store all this stuff? And I just started knocking on doors and I found a neighbor that would let me store his stuff on his property. So, you know what I mean? As an entrepreneur, there's always stuff behind the scenes of you built it for yourself and you didn't plan to be an entrepreneur. And you're right. And I didn't. It was basically because, you know, uh, the last couple of Easter weekends that I've been out, you know, people are after riding, you know, having a couple of beers, walking around and bullshitting. And, uh, you know, geez, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. You should do this. It's not the first thing I built on a whim or something like that. Um, like in the past, I used to build uh, um, camping blenders out of car starters. Because every time when we would camp, the females would complain they can't have daiquiris, they can't have their kind of foo-foo drinks, as I would call them. And every the two-stroke gas blenders you can buy are never strong enough. The hand-crank ones, you can't crush ice. So I had a bunch of old car parts, and um, I assembled a 150-amp uh, blender that has really long leads on it, like booster cables, and you just clamp it to your battery of your car or truck, and that sucker will blend absolutely everything, including probably tree stumps. 
<laughs> Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it was literally, I wasn't planning on it, but when people were kind of, you know, to, oh, you should do this, you should do that. You know, I hate to be the guy sitting at 70 years old and shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know what I mean? And I don't want to be that guy. But can you describe your product and also the type of truck that it's preferably going into? Okay. Well, the pedestal is made of uh, aluminum. It is fully adjustable. It'll fit in every make and model of truck currently on the road, even the smaller trucks, the Canyons, uh, the Toyota Tacomas. So it does fit in all. It does require three bolts with nylon nuts per side to be mounted in the box. And I chose that because it's more of a guaranteed secure fit. It takes a little bit longer to install, but it's just a more secure fit. Um, so it will fit in all makes and models, one ton, uh, half ton, three quarter ton, um, and all makes, it doesn't matter. Um, and any length of box. I've have them in five foot boxes, five and a half foot boxes, six foot boxes, six and a half foot boxes. Um, so mine is currently in a uh, 2008 Toyota Tundra with a four door and a six and a half foot box. And I have it in position one for height and in the, uh, sorry, forward position facing. So it is sitting just below the tailgate vehicles with a five and a half foot box or shorter will require to raise the pedestal pin by putting it in the second slot. So the platform that the rear wheel um, sits on will actually sit one inch above a closed tailgate. Then it comes with a cable lock. So any tire, any configuration of rear wheel, um, that cable lock will secure and hold and add security that your bike will not leave the truck. If you use both cable locks and intertwine them, you can actually lock the third machine in the back of the truck between the two cable locks. Um, the other big plus um, to the pedestal is you can now fit three full-size dirt bikes in a modern-day pickup truck with the tailgate closed. That's actually pretty incredible because... I have a hard enough time fitting one bike and uh, yep. my kid's bike in the back. You're right. And uh, how big is the, the box that you have? Uh, six foot. Six foot, right. So uh, with my product, you would roll in the bike, tie it down, grab the rear wheel, the rear swing arm, and people say, oh, geez, does that make it really hard to lift? Well, if you think about it, you're not lifting the bike anymore because it's already tied down and you're lifting half of the machine pivoting on the front wheel. So it's actually quite easy. And you can lift it, you put it on the platform, and you can tie it down. And it um, creates so much vacancy in the back of the box now. You can haul so much stuff underneath the bikes. If you choose to put in a third machine, when you put the two bikes in and have them mounted on the pedestals, it opens up the whole center of the 
of the truck and you can back the third bike in, turn the bars, close the tailgate and tie it down like you would, um, like you have been for years. The last little perk to um, my product, the pedestal, if you remove the platform, turn it 90 degrees and put it back into the base, it actually acts like a dirt bike stand. It'll actually hold the front and rear wheel off the floor of the truck, probably six inches. So you can actually use it as a dirt bike stand. And it's happened to me in the last uh, couple of months. I would go riding, come back with a rear flat tire. I'd throw it in the truck, put it on the stand. I'd be standing outside on the ground. And the rear wheel sits just above the tailgate by about six inches. And it makes it very easy if you were doing a tire change. Oh, that's cool. There's like a fall-off benefit to your stand. There is. There is. You know, we were even thinking, well, maybe we can even add to that. And somebody might want a tire change table. So you can buy an accessory and maybe slide it in the base and actually have your bike on the left pedestal and then have your tire change stand in the base of the right pedestal and actually do a tire change in the back of your truck as well. So things we are thinking about in the future to maybe build accessories for the pedestal bases. Okay, that's awesome. Um, it's funny because once you start putting three bikes in the back of a pickup truck, you're also talking about now the motorcycles exceeding the value of the pickup. You're right. And fuel savings, carpooling, you know, gas is not getting any deeper, right? So it's it's I see so much here that you roll into a riding area and there's 10 trucks in a riding area and everyone's got one bike in the back of their truck sideways because they can't fit anymore. You know? So when we had eight foot boxes and that was the norm with pickup trucks, you always saw two, three bikes in the back of a pickup truck. So it also kind of opens the door, not necessarily for towing the trailer, but now you can, not buy a box extender you don't chip the bottom of your tailgate and you can actually secure lift the tailgate and have your load secure and safe i've also have friends in law enforcement that i wouldn't be surprised to see that <clears throat> it will be against the law to drive on public roads with your tailgate down soon there's been depths of debris flying out of the back of pickup trucks causing accidents where deaths have happened um so there already has been talk of that so my product again can allow people to buy a four-door pickup truck and have a tailgate closed and haul multiple dirt bikes that also gives you a good space to keep your gear at the end of the ride as well you're right you can have it underneath. You don't have to worry about it blowing out the back of the truck uh, because the tailgate's up. You're 100% right. A lot of people say, well, I'll just buy one of those bed extenders. You're right, but you still can't tow. You're going to chip the underside of your $60,000 pickup truck's tailgate. And those bed extenders cost about five, $600 to purchase anyway. So you're buying an X, you know, uh, something anyway. What's on your daily to-do list as of today as an entrepreneur? As an entrepreneur. Well, I wake up, 
I uh, send my kids off to school. Um, I'm a currently an auto mechanic at a local dealership. So I still have a nine to five job. Um, like most other people, I try to work out as much as I can in between, like on my lunch breaks, um, because I'm still an avid rider. Um, and every chance I get, uh, through social media or, um, dealerships calling me, um, I mean, I meant dirt bike dealerships calling me or just people on social media. I do my best, um, to try to make my customer service with the pedestal brand top notch. I don't love the price that I have to put my product at. I'd like to see it be lower, um, but I need to start selling more and a volume to, I guess, increase so I can bring my overhead down. Um, I am currently looking into manufacturing overseas. I didn't want to do it, but now I'm starting to understand why so many people do it because it's very hard to compete um, with um, overseas manufacturing. And um, so currently I'm uh, trying to find or uh, make a deal with uh, manufacturing overseas to basically bring my overhead down so I can continue producing and building my pedestals. And I guess I'm just waiting for more people to have them, install them, and give me feedback. Um, I would never criticize anybody. I know they'll last and I know they work well because I physically have used them for three years. Um, so, but if there's people were saying, you know, you should anodize them, you should paint them, you should this, but again, that's just the cost. And I don't, I just don't think it's um, effective at this point. Um, long-term goals, what I'd love to see is, uh, uh, me and my partner, we have a lot of other ideas in the dirt bike industry where we can see a progression in a certain product or a completely new product. So we have probably three or four other things in the drafting stage right now. So pedestal will not be the only thing that I will be producing. Um, I guess the future goal would be to have maybe a online store and have 10 products that dirt bikers, myself, my partner have designed and um, sell them to the public um, kind of one-off um, ideas. And um, I guess that's kind of the future goal at this point. What's your price point right now? And what would be the price point you'd like to see things at? Um, right now, they're selling for five ninety nine plus tax, and that is a complete set to do a complete truck. That's the left and right side with two fully adjustable cable locks, um, all the hardware you need, instructions, and I'm available 24 hours a day um, that if somebody does need help with an install, um, I can help them over the phone. Um, I am currently working on a video production for installation. Um, but what I would love to see them at, I don't know if it's possible, but if I can see them at half that price or $4.99, I think they would start to move significantly faster. Um, I didn't believe it because it's not really me, but yeah, dirt bikers are cheap. Um, 
Um, they don't like to spend tons of money off of their dirt bike um, or excess, you know, like the outside stuff. Um, but from my research, you can buy a Thule or Yakima mountain bike rack for the roof of your car and they're $1,200 and people eat them up and buy them. They're everywhere and they sell off the shelves like crazy. So it's been tough to swallow that it's not taken off as quickly as I was hoping to, but I do think from the feedback I do get from customers, everybody's hesitates on the price. So I am trying my best with the time that I have to work on my overhead and try to get that uh, price down. I'd love to say 30, 35% at least. Is there anybody that's actually supporting you in your entrepreneurship, i.e. another business or a motorcycle shop that you're working with that really helps? No. Um, all I have at this point, it's uh, literally me and my um, good friend or partner. A uh, lot of shops um, are taking a chance with us because they're not making their profit margins that they would like to. But because they know me for so many years, um, they're trying to help me out. So I do have um, about four dealers in the Calgary, um, Alberta area that um, will have them on their shelf and they're doing the best they can to help um, move my product for me. People say, well, geez, why don't you start an e-line store or sell them out of your garage? The last thing I need is a basically a full-time second job to come home with family and have to go in the garage and pack things and ship things, all that kind of thing. I like to see dirt bike stores or franchises kind of thrive because that is my passion in the industry and we need these local dirt bike dealerships. Um, so I've committed to my dealers just to have a dealer network. I'm working with them with the best I can with everything that I can do. And I'm pushing people um, to the dealers because that helps them too. That a guy coming in to buy a pedestal, he might end up walking out of there with a set of gloves or a dirt bike tire. So I would rather deal with um, the dealers throughout North America and hopefully I can build a brand where they would come to me for not just this in the future, but, um, um, but everything. Have you ever looked at going direct to, um, Motovan parts, Canada? Those are, you know, I mean, Kempex, there's a whole bunch of them. The names that I just listed off are suppliers where they're actually like a parts book and they sell nothing but motorcycle parts. Yes. Um, I have friends that are representatives of a lot of those <coughs> manufacturer or those parts distributors. I don't know for a hundred percent fact, but through the grapevine and through talking to people, um, I don't think I'm large enough or I'm at the point where they would take me on because, and I think it would hurt me more because they take a big percentage cut um, for my overall uh, profits. Um, is it something that I'd like to see maybe in the future? Yes. Um, if I get into communications um, with somebody, um, I guess, viable at one of these uh, distributing uh, companies, 
um, I would be more than willing to talk with them and maybe they would decide to take a chance and, um, um, you know, and sell it for me. But I don't think I'm big enough yet. They're probably going to want proof, proof of sale um, and to make sure that the public wants it. So we're still kind of in that beginning learning stage. Um, would I like to see it in the future? Absolutely. Um, but I don't think right now um, with the money that they would want, I can really afford it at this point. Have you made a pitch recently to somebody, even if it was just a one-time sale, and you like their reaction or dislike their reaction? Um, I did. It wasn't in person. It was via the uh, internet or email. Um, I spoke with, um, just want to make sure I got their name right, uh, Matrix Concepts, I think. They make the dirt bike stands. Um, they're very big in the U.S. Um, AMA, um, you know, uh, AMA motocross, supercross. Uh, I did give them a pitch and I wasn't disappointed with what they said, but they told me exactly what I told you is they want to see proof that it's going to sell. Um, they want to see, um, if there's a market for it. Um, they weren't in the market to take a chance at this point, uh, with my product. Um, but in saying that, um, everybody I did speak to and sent video clips or pictures, nobody's given me negative feedback that the product is terrible or it's useless or anything negative. If there was any negativity, it was the price was a bit too high. Not that it was too high, but there was always hesitation in, you know, um, when I was speaking with them on the phone that the price is a bit high. So, um, that's about the only person that, or company I have spoken to, um, uh, and got a feedback from, uh, would be, uh, matrix concepts. Uh, they have a, uh, warehouse or, um, head office in Vancouver. And then I believe in Southern California. So that's about as far as I got there. As an entrepreneur, what's your biggest like hurdle that somebody wouldn't think about? Is it that sometimes you get 20 orders and you don't have 20 of them made? Or is it that they take up too much room in your garage? The first one that you mentioned, um, I can't wait for that to happen. Um, but one day maybe. Um, honestly, right now, um, to find a local manufacturer um, that can produce the products to my quality standards. That was a big hurdle at the very beginning. Um, a lot of people want to charge a lot and maybe the quality wasn't exactly what I wanted. And when I demanded uh, a certain quality um, to be at that, at a certain level, uh, the price definitely reflected and jumped up. Um, but I did currently find um, a local guy um, who does phenomenal work. Uh, the welds are, you know, very good, very good penetration. They're all TIG welded, um, which is very important, but it is costly. So, again, that drove my price up a little bit. Um, but as of right now, I would say my biggest hurdle was trying to find the quality that I was good with for a price that I guess I could afford or make sellable. How many years have you been doing this, actually selling them to other people? 
actually, um, my first sale would have been, I'm just trying to think the bike show was it i'm gonna say probably i made my first sale uh 2018 january oh awesome like just yeah so very new yeah yeah so um i would say my um i did have a couple of out there for testing purposes um and they're diehard dirt bikers and they just beat them up and i needed to test but my actual first sale would have been um, definitely in the first month of 2018. And what would you say is, if you don't mind saying, the cost behind the inventory that you have? I probably um, right now have about $5,000 worth. Okay. If, if that if that kind of answers your question. And do you happen to say, mind saying how much you have invested in the actual company itself so far? Um, between me and my partner, I would probably say we're pushing the $10,000 mark. Awesome. Awesome. What's been your biggest achievement that you're kind of patting yourself on the back for so far? That I actually did it. I didn't hum and haw about it, that the products turned out actually better than I expected. Um, we had a couple of issues with, the gauge of the aluminum and that kind of stuff and that we jumped on it right away. Um, and I'm pretty proud that nobody has, I guess, given me serious negativity or uh, this is, you, I, I haven't had a single bit of negative feedback um, on the product itself. And I kind of take pride in that. If I have to sell my product for a little bit more money to keep the quality there, I will do that. I'm not going to sacrifice quality for cost. So in saying, to basically answer your question, I'm, I pat myself on the back that I actually started it. I actually did it. I have them. And there are customers out there of mine that are actually using them. With your start being in January or to date, have you done a business plan, like an actual pen and paper business plan? Something on the to-do list. I'm just basically on hold to see if I can uh, make a deal with um, a manufacturer overseas. And if that goes the way... I've been sort of told that it could go, then that would probably be the next step is to actually have a um, business plan and go from there. You know, for an interview that didn't really start, it just started. I think uh, yeah. we've touched on a lot of different things. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't really got to? Um, right now, uh, no, um, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm pretty kind of, um, proud of my product a little bit that I actually, you know, put pen to paper and, and, uh, made something. And really when I did actually pay some money to have some of these made, I was, I always told myself, you know what, even if in 10 years, 20 years from now, if I'm not successful at this venture, it would be nice to see a 2025 
Ford F-150 driving down the road with my product in it, even if it was copied or duplicated. That would just be um, uh, an honor for me, I guess. That's actually sometimes the reason why we become an entrepreneur or invent something is because we just see the need. You're right. And you know what? Even down the road, like I said, if somebody steals my idea, well, I guess so be it. Um, and it would just be neat that I contributed something to the dirt bike industry that I see in use often or every day. Is there another similar product on the market right now? As of right now, I've uh, done the patent searches. I've uh, checked everything. There is no product in North America, even in Europe. Um, it's kind of unfair to include Europe because they don't have pickup trucks. But uh, North America, there is not another product like this. And with using your product, I know a lot of high-end guys that care about their forks use one of those fork spacer. Does that help? Uh, get rid of using one of those? Uh, this does. I don't use um, fork spacers that I'll never have. Is there a proper word for them? Um, I know you mean when you tie your bike down so you don't compress the forks? Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know if there's an exact name for it. Um, I think uh, a fork spacer or tie-down helper um, would be a good way to describe it. Um, but I've never really used them. I don't really see a need in it. Um, but with my product, you don't, I don't use it. Um, a couple of my customers park their bikes in straight in the truck. Um, and they use them that way. And myself and a couple of other of my customers, they'll actually turn the, the wheel to either corner of the box 15 degrees, uh, just to kind of lock them in a little bit better with the tie downs. Um, but, uh, to answer your question, you would not need a fork spacer um, at all to use. No. That's great. And something I want to throw in there, too. Uh, what's your partner's name or what's your connection to your business partner? Do you mind talking uh, about that? No, no, no problem. Uh, my business partner is Corey Holt. Um, he is a longtime dirt bike friend. We met when we were, man, just got our driver's licenses. And he's an avid uh, motocrosser himself uh, has a wife that rides and two young boys that are excelling in uh, the motocross scene uh, quite drastically. Um, and uh, he is my engineering drafter and he has the exact same thoughts that I do. And we, we just think alike, um, but he just has the skill on the computer. That's great. Thanks for listening today. It's Kevin with Bison Moon Group, Reach of the Moon podcast, Marty, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is through social media, uh, Facebook or Instagram at Dirt Bike Pedestal. Um, or um, anybody can uh, reach me through uh, the internet at mhalmazna at yahoo.ca. Like I said, the best way is probably just through social media. And what shops is your product sold at? Uh, currently in stock, um, an individual can go to Bullridge Sports in Cochrane, Cycle Works Foothills in Okotoks, Cycle Works in Calgary, or Blackfoot uh, on Blackfoot Trail has been in stock as well. 
If you're out east, I do have a dealer at Clay's Off-Road Shop out in New Brunswick. Well, I thank you for sitting down with me today. That just leaves me one final question is what kind of bike do you ride? Uh, well, I have more than one um, because I'm definitely addicted uh, to the sport. I have a YZ450F and a YZ250 modified to a 300. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you sitting down with me today.